Today we take up the Halloween-inspired episode, Cat's Paw. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking Through Compliance, Episode 36, Cat's Paw. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode Cat's Paw, which aired on October 27, 1967, and occurred on Stardate 3018.2. Story synopsis. Strange things happen to a landing party consisting of Jackson, Sulu, and Scotty when they beam down to planet Pyrus 7. Sulu and Scott disappear, then Jackson returns to the Enterprise and promptly dies without a readily apparent cause. A strange voice coming from Jackson's mouth then tells Kirk that there is a curse on the Enterprise which they must leave or the crew will all die. When Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to investigate, leaving DeSaul in command and Chekhov as his sidekick, they are enveloped in fog. They also detect multiple life readings, despite the fact that the Enterprise's sensors detect only the landing party. The landing party subsequently encounters three witches in a medieval castle, and upon entering the castle, they are all confronted by a black cat. While exploring the cobweb-draped interior, they fall through a hole in the floor which opens up beneath them and then suddenly find themselves in irons in the castle's dungeon. Sulu, Scott, and now both zombies, who are, excuse me, now both zombies, release the prisoners and begin leading them away. When Kirk attempts to overpower them, they all materialize in front of the robe Korob and his precious black cat, who he appears to consult for advice. Spock questions Korob as to why previous surveys have not detected life on the planet, and Korob admits that he is not native to the planet. Korob makes a meal magically appear, but Kirk, Spock, and McCoy profess not to be hungry. He then makes plates full of gemstones appear and offers them as incentive for leaving without further inquiry, but Kirk claims that the Enterprise can manufacture them in bulk and is not impressed. The cat leaves, and thereafter, Korlob's colleague Sylvia appears. However, around her neck is the same diamond pendant that had been worn by the cat. Kirk overpowers the zombie Scott, takes his phaser, and demands that Sulu and Scott be released and that their weapons and communicators be returned. Sylvia responds by waving a model of the Enterprise over a candle. The real Enterprise experiences extreme heat and narrowly avoids burning up when Kirk removes the model and offers to cooperate. To prevent interference from the Enterprise, the model is encased in glass surrounding the actual Enterprise in a force force field from which it cannot break free. Kirk and Spock are chained in the dungeon, and McCoy is added to the collection of zombies. Sylvia, meanwhile, is enjoying the sensual pleasures of her new existence and mocks Korob for being afraid to use his power when he complains that she, she is abusing the specimens. Kirk pretends to fall in love with Sylvia in order to pump her for information, and she responds by changing to a number of different attractive forms of females. Kirk learns that Korob and Sylvia have been sent to study the galaxy using a device called the transmuter. However, Sylvia discovers by probing his mind that Kirk is manipulating her and becomes angry. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is breaking free through the efforts of Dassault. Korob releases the Enterprise from its encasement, then sets Kirk and Spock free and tells them to leave immediately because he can no longer control Sylvia. Sylvia changes to a giant black cat and attacks Korob and attempts to kill Kirk and Spock. 
Kirk grabs Korob's scepter, which he suspects is the mysterious transmuter. After fending off attacks from Kirk, Scott, and Sulu, Kirk tells Sylvia that he has the scepter. Sylvia tries to finagle it away from him, but he breaks the scepter in front of Sylvia. The castle vanishes, and Sylvia and Korob appear as bizarre blue and yellow puppet-like alien beings, which is their true form. Unable to survive in this galaxy without the transmitter, they shrivel up and melt away, and Sulu and Scott are returned to normal. So, what's the fun fact for this episode? Although this was the first episode of TOS Season 2 in production, meaning it was filmed in early May 1967, it did not premiere until the week of Halloween 1967. In fact, it was written in a Halloween as a Halloween-type theme just for that reason. The episode also remains to date the only Star Trek production produced as a holiday special type of episode. This episode gives us a good opportunity to look at Narcissus and Narcissism. This comes from Clive Blanston in a comment on Mission Log. And he believes that the portrait of Sylvia was exactly the profile of a Narcissus. Number one grandiose sense of self-importance. Number two, preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, and ideal love. Three, believes they are special and unique and can only be understood or should associate with other special or high-status people. Four, require excessive admiration. Five, have a sense of entitlement. Six, are interpersonally exploitive. Seven, lack empathy, is unwilling or unable to recognize uh, feelings or needs of others. Eight, is often envious of others or believes that others around them would be envious of them. Nine, shows arrogance, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Uh, I cite that because narcissists certainly exist in the corporate world and they can be one of your biggest ethics and compliance problems in an organization leading to FCPA violations. So think about that. Think about that in the context of you have any employees with that re- those reputations and see what you can do to remediate and or uh, put controls around them. So what are the three key takeaways from this? Well, the first one, I'd like you to think about the um, ego of Sylvia and really the narcissism. And think about that in terms of Jonathan Marks and his fraud Pentagon. Marks took the original three elements of the fraud Pentagon, pressure, rationalization, and opportunity, and added two, arrogance and competence. And here I'd like to think about arrogance. If you listen to the recent HBR podcast on with rather Eugene Soltis, who has interviewed numerous fraudsters in prison, he indicated one of the key reasons for fraud is indeed arrogance, that not only do they think they are smarter and better than anyone, they believe that they are entitled to that lifestyle. So look to arrogance as a potential indicia of fraud when the other elements appear. Uh, Number two, the the title cat's paw is actually describes a person who is used as a dupe, and fraudsters need a dupe to engage in their fraud. In the world of anti-bribery, anti-corruption, the dupe is a corporation. And the corporation who either has no internal controls, insufficient internal controls, or allows an internal controls override 
to occur without sufficient business justification and oversight. So, um, and I suppose the greatest example is GSK, who uh, allowed its Chinese business unit to engage in a massive fraud against the corporate office by submitting not just individual false expense accounts, but directing the Chinese, the business leaders of the Chinese business unit directed the Chinese business unit to submit such large uh, falsified expense accounts that they generated over $500 million as a pot of money to pay bribes. So who's the dupe and why is it the corporation? And finally, you should always remember to use the tools that you have at hand in any uh, compliance program. Here, the scepter, which Kurt destroys, killing them both. Join us tomorrow where we take up iMud. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.